You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Peace be upon you all. Welcome to the Drive Time Show. Actually, I remember last time they told me I speak too loud. Uh-huh. So I need to calm down. <laughs> Sorry about that, producers. Hmm. You're live right now. We are actually live right now with the Drive Time Show, which is actually live right now. You can actually call in and that's what it, exactly what it means. We want you to take part in this. The number to call hmm. is 0208-687-7878. Or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK or or uh, you can always visit uh, us, uh, uh, you know, on our website. Or Instagram as well. Instagram as well. Depending on whatever you do, you have absolutely no excuse to sit idly by. While we talk today about a very important topic, you just mentioned social media. Imran, what are we talking about today? So we are talking about a very interesting topic, uh, currently topic, media intake. Uh, intake uh, staying informed without getting distressed oh, so i think it's okay. um, we're going to talk about you know the, the conflict happening right, right. now in uh, palestine and israel and uh, you know people are uh, some people are uh, getting depressed by oh, a seeing a lot of people are a lot of people are distressed, getting distressed rather yeah 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 I'm, of course they are uh, i mean of course like we we see platforms like x mm-hmm. which when you go on there they're not they're not that keen on censoring things and yeah, you're yeah. able to see a lot that happens around the world mm-hmm. And and there is a reason behind that, of course, um, why that's happening. Yeah. The fact is that obviously we we can't immediately blame social media platforms mm-hmm. for showing what they show. They're not the catalysts behind the realities on the ground. The the catalysts behind the realities on the ground are those people who are actually perpetuating those crimes in the first place. Definitely. And and the reality is this: that what we are seeing is first and foremost the strongest way to confirm and affirm what is actually happening. And the fact that some of these journalists out there are risking their lives. We've got people like Muataz mm-hmm. and others mm-hmm. out there on the ground yeah. in Gaza. They yeah. lost their family. Some they of the journalists yeah. now. Yeah. They're risking their lives, some with, their, with or without their choice, mm-hmm. to show people what's happening. So, yes, what they're doing is very, very important mm-hmm. because they're bringing reality to the ground. And I want to really kind of, before we get into the topic, just hit this, mm-hmm. on, on this point hard. Because mm-hmm. for when on 7th of October, mm-hmm. Hamas definitely in, entered Israel. Yeah. And there were there were reports by uh, I think it was the Sun, mm-hmm. and uh, perhaps the New York Times. Okay. Uh, the New York Times later retracted their statement, however. Mm-hmm. But the original frontline Sun newspaper title was 40 beheaded babies by Hamas." Right. <laughs> yeah, now yeah. I'm not going to go into the argument mm-hmm. and debate mm-hmm. of wh- whether this is right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but what we know is that just by one headline, mm-hmm. without verifying it, mm-hmm. the nation's <laughs> navy flocked to the shores of Israel to defend the nation mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. even fact-checking whether it's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And that's all it took. Mm. One headline, one report from an IDF journalist who, who's on their side in the first place. <laughs> and then, 7th of October. Mm-hmm. Okay. 8th of October, 9th of October, 10th of October, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, all the way to today. Mm-hmm. It's taken every single day mm. for TikTok, X, Instagram, websites to show not headlines mm-hmm. of unverified murders, not shoes of people, mm-hmm. not air satellite black and white pictures, mm-hmm. actual images, actual videos of kids who are either injured, mm-hmm. who have passed away, who are looking for their mothers and fathers. Mm-hmm. And rebels, yeah. yeah you, yep. you don't need to verify that yeah. stuff, okay? Yeah. And the world is sitting silent. Mm-hmm. In fact, today in this country where we sit right now, we're silent mm-hmm. on a ceasefire. Yeah, and actually UNICEF recently called Gaza as a graveyard for children. There we go. And over 13,000 Palestinians have died and those who survive will be forever in traumatized. Look, I, like, I think 
this is why I wanted to mention this from the get-go. Mm-hmm. We are going to talk today about how to deal with this content when you as a consumer view it. Mm-hmm. But let's not forget for a single minute that we should never think about the fact that that content is irrelevant or that it's unimportant. In fact, this is... Ghazans don't have much to fight with. This mm. is what their fighting voice is in the first place. And to try and suppress that actually mm. is, for me, would seem as a great injustice. In fact, I'm, I'm on social media. Mm. I, have a, I have a social media account on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm the, I get to see a lot of coverage on that account. All right. you know, in the mm. past few months alone, we've had, I've had millions of views on, okay. on, on various content. Okay. We, I woke up two days ago in the morning mm-hmm. to see on my account a message from, from Meta saying uh. that we've restricted your account and you... Your account will no longer be visible to non-followers and you will not appear in search results. Your content will not appear in explore pages. And they flagged some of my videos. Uh And guess what? Mm. Every single video that they flagged was about this issue. Palestine, Israel. Mm. Where we're talking about the the atrocities that are happening in Gaza. And I was thinking to myself, how how dare they? Mm. And I felt a bit isolated. So it's on on, on a matter. Okay. I felt isolated at the moment. Like, what's going on? And then all I had to do, I, I checked online. It wasn't just me. Okay. A lot of other much bigger accounts than mine hmm. had also been censored for talking about this. Alhamdulillah, a lot of them appealed. I myself appealed. And those, those um, restrictions have now currently hmm. been removed. Hmm. But I don't want hmm. today's talk to be a justification for such people who want to censor this. Because hmm. it was later revealed hmm. by who? Hmm. It was later revealed by Forbes magazine hmm. and D online hmm. that Israel actually um, had its intelligence agency highlight 8,000 posts which mm. it, in, it, it then went asked it asked Meta and TikTok directly to remove them and they obliged by removing 94% oh. now what does Israel have the right to request that and why don't mm-hmm. Muslims country equally have the right to request that we will never know mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing this is why I'm saying there's a fine line mm-hmm. between censorship mm-hmm. and hiding content which may distress people mm-hmm. all the while that is also a reality so we are going to talk about Yep. First of all, how to balance this, but <laughs> how do we actually deal with this mm. on the ground in reality? So um, definitely, you know, uh, of course, there are also propaganda out there as well. And the plan of, uh, you know, uh, the plan of uh, victims can be weaponized. Yeah. But some stories had to be reattracted because they turned out to be fake. Some of the, for example, uh, other, other, I was um, seeing uh, that uh, Israeli army, uh, saying that this is a list of uh, yeah. you know, Hamas terrorists, yeah. and it comes uh, later on. They find out this is actually the days of uh, days of the week in, written in Arabic. I mean, we could. So, I mean, yeah. this, this kind we, of we stuff is coming be, as well. There's probably from both sides, you know, yeah. from other sides. I wouldn't as well. even argue. Yeah. Let's be fair. <clears throat> Although I would definitely say the misinformation is a lot coming from the IDF right now. <laughs> Blatantly, <laughs> it's not just us who's saying it. I mean, the world <laughs> isn't stupid. Let's just put it that way. Definitely. There, of course, <laughs> in wars like this. Intentionally or unintentionally, mm. it's very easy for facts to be misrepresented. Mm. Sometimes things are verified and then later they are corrected, for example. Mm. How many people died? We don't know exactly what mm. was the case. Mm. To be honest with you, if, I, if we were completely <coughs> honest with this, mm. we may never know until decades to come yeah. exactly what was going on. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we have to take everything with a pinch of salt. Mm. But what we must at least do mm. is use our common sense mm. and try to understand the bigger picture of what's going on. We have, like you said, misinformation out there. Mm. We have people who are falsifying things intentionally. Uh, so there's a lot that we have mm. to try and, and decipher. And therefore, obviously, these social media platforms do have a responsibility to to try and keep that under locks as well. Definitely. So and, uh, yeah. you know, the loss of any civilian life is a tragic, no matter what side is on. And But of course, we have uh, a numerous death troll on one side, the Palestinian. And the death troll has now exceeded 13,000, most of them women and children. 
and not counting those who are under the rubble and those who may have died for dehydration and starvation. Now, it is horrific that what is going on right now in Palestine. So we see parents carrying their dead children, babies, carrying infants mm. who lost their parents, a father searching for his children in the rubble, yep. images and videos of people crying the dead bodies of their beloved ones. Absolutely. Dead bodies picking uh, picked up in white you know, body bags. And uh, parents res- uh, searching for their little uh, for little body parts of their children in the rubble. I mean, it's really graphic. It's even you know, you're talking about it. Mm-hmm. This even that is enough to to make people's hair stand yeah. up on their on their arms. Like, what is it? And a lot of people who are mm-hmm. parents, who you know, they, they know they have children. They have children around them. They would can deeply be distressed mm-hmm. by that kind of, of messaging mm-hmm. to to be able to you know kind of fathom mm-hmm. this. And it's, mm-hmm. we don't want to fall in this kind of derealization of things that mm-hmm. we become so used to it, which mm-hmm. probably isn't the case for most people. They're very distressed about this. Mm-hmm. So we are going to be talking about this topic today, yeah. addressing the fact how. How do we as citizens watching this mm. uh, be in a position where mm. we can first of all deal with it yeah. but also perhaps be able to do something about it? And Definitely. I want to I actually hit this on the head as well mm-hmm. because there's a lot of people that will say, whether it's to me as a content creator on, on Instagram mm-hmm. or to others who protest, for example, well, what's the point? Why, why are you creating videos? Why are you going to protest? Why are you liking tweets? Why are you reposting mm-hmm. things? Let me tell you one thing. Israel has paid millions of of pounds or rather mm. dollars it's just mm. been revealed I think yesterday mm-hmm. but they paid millions of dollars to YouTube okay. for paid ads and promotions and content and more than 20 million dollars elsewhere and it's going to continue to do uh-huh. what? create propaganda videos to, mm. to push a certain narrative mm. now here's the thing they're paying money to do this millions of pounds are being spent mm. to spread what is actually a Zionist oppressive agenda mm-hmm. that's what it is okay? okay now they're spending money to do that how mm. much does it cost you Imran or me to make a video it costs me nothing Nothing yet. Every, for every video that they make, if I make five videos, mm-hmm. they have to spend millions of pounds more to counter them. Do you, do you realize this? Yeah, yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. if you can't do anything, but you can mm-hmm. create a video, you're mm-hmm. already doing something. But you're already you're- making <laughs> them wonder, is this yeah. financially worth it? Yeah. Because when we look at previous oppressive, oppressive yeah. regimes, we've seen that some of them, I'm not going to go into it right now, mm-hmm. have actually stop doing that mm-hmm. because they can't afford it anymore. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't, like I said in the previous shows, so keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And one way to kind of react to this situation I would say in a positive way is to speak out and make yourself heard in a way that you feel you are being proactive and you mm-hmm. are doing something mm-hmm. about it so at the end of the day you don't feel like you're sitting there mm-hmm. and you, you feel hopeless about it you're not hopeless you have right. a voice mm-hmm. and you can do something about it even if it just means sharing a video or creating a video mm-hmm. and, and that's doing or undoing rather mm-hmm. their work which they're so desperately trying to pay people to definitely do. I think uh, this um, I remember in the, in the t- previous show uh, you quoted a hadith of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, saying of the Holy Prophet that if you see a thing, uh, if you think, if you see a bad thing happening, so there's a three way of trying. One is, uh, so, um, you know, try to stop the thing, bad thing, with your hands, and the second is, second is that try to, you know, um, stop the bad thing happening through your words. And if you cannot do that, Absolutely. then you have should pray for that, or at least uh, think about in your heart that this is a bad thing. Absolutely. So I think this is this is what we need to do. We need to speak up, but at the same time, um, you know, uh, mm. uh, we need to have, uh, I would say, a middle path as well, because of uh, too much of everything is, you know, I'm, is good. I think. Look here, here's the thing: mm. people are going to go on social media. I know mm. a lot of people around me right now mm-hmm. that are intentionally <coughs> choosing not to go on social mm. media. Because quite rightly, they just, you know, it really has an effect on everyone, including mm. me. It takes a toll on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really important that we mm. first regulate it. Mm. 
Mm -hmm. uh, our social media use. Mm -hmm. But before we go into that, of course, we are going to actually... We're just blabbering on here, Imran. Mm -hmm. uh, Not actually knowing exactly what the expertise analysis on this issue is. And we are going to actually go to our first expert guest because like I said, we as a nation right now are watching content. We're consuming content um, right now. And we need to know proactively how do we first deal with it? Definitely. And what can we do with that information as well? So we've got with us Dr. Alison Holman, uh, who is an associate professor at the UC Irvine Sue and Bill Gross School of Nursing. And she's her work actually relates to trauma and health. And this is, I think, this is really vital for mm. us to talk about today. Definitely. Assalamu Peace be upon you. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, yes, it indeed is morning where you are, actually. It's actually almost <laughs> evening here. But we're glad that mm -hmm. we have you on the show with us today because, of course, we have mm -hmm. a very important topic at hand. We've just been talking, myself and Imran, about kind of, the. if you go online right now on socials, it doesn't matter which platform you kind of mm -hmm. go to, you are going to be seeing a lot of content, I think comparatively a lot more than what's been in the past decade over the span of this war, which is quite distressing content um, for people uh -huh. who are sitting at home, perhaps at work. You know, and this is um, kind of what we want to tackle today. So Imran, we, we had a couple of um, yeah. questions. So um, Dr. Ellison, um, um, as a trauma researcher, what are your thoughts on trauma, including collective trauma, when you look at Israel-Palestine? And... We have Jewish people who is in their history went through the Holocaust, and we have Palestinian a people who have their own trauma, including the Nabuk. So, what's your thoughts on this? Yes, I think this is a really important point because I think that what is going on in Israel and Gaza is clearly must be considered in the historical trauma for both sides of this fight, and it. One cannot separate the responses of people in in Israel or the responses of people in Gaza to the both the attack in Israel and the response by Israel in Gaza. You can't separate those things from that historical context. And of course, that historical context is going to have a tremendous impact on the distress and the res and how people are going to be able to cope with what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I heard you speaking about social media. Um, media has everything to do with how this, how this, how this war is being experienced by people. Mm -hmm. um, it's very important to remember that in war, warring parties all use every side, every warring agency in a party and uh, sorry, in a war, will engage in using the media to both bolster their side. Right. Yeah. And so what you see in the media has to be double-checked, always mm. has to be double-checked, mm. has to be triple-checked, because what you see is not always going to be exactly right. the whole thing, the whole truth. And I think it's very important to pay attention to doing that kind of fact-checking and making sure that you've got good sources. Um, so that you're seeing stuff that really, that is real before you respond to Absolutely. it. And the, the, the sad thing is that in social media, people often see um, images, they see the graphic images of what's going on mm -hmm. and respond because that makes you feel bad. I mean, it emotionally, these graphic images are really hard on 
and emotionally tag them and make them respond by, you know, sharing it very quickly. Hmm. You know, and you're that's abs- not a good thing. You're absolutely <laughs> right there. I mean, you've, you've mentioned already there's a lot of coverage and whether it be true or, or whether it be false even, initially it has a lot of effect mm-hmm. on the people that view right. that content, they could be deeply affected by it, either for, for its face value, mm-hmm. you know, literally what they're seeing is affecting them. It might even be the case, as you've mentioned already, that it brings up some sort of past in themselves mm-hmm. as well. Um, Absolutely. Why? First of all, of course, this is a reality, like we said, whether it's true or whether it's for it is a, a reality. Um, but how do we kind of come to terms with this? First of all, why do you think this is actually a reaction that we're experiencing? Uh, more so now, especially, there's a lot of people coming up about it. Like I said, a lot, I know a lot of people right now who are, who've just turned away from social media. They don't really know exactly how to deal, deal with this reaction. And my, my question really is, we are obviously sitting here. Um, I, I, would, I would say it might not be quite right to put it into words to say that we can absolutely relate to them because we are, we are after all, it, not, not there with them. But does right. it make a difference uh, to, to, to watch content um, being far away from them? Uh, or is the trauma quite similar or completely different to, to being quite close to the person who, who you're watching the content about, for example? And how do you actually deal with this? This is an excellent question. In our work, we, you know, we study collective trauma and we study people respond to collective trauma and the role that the media plays in that. And what we are finding in our more recent work is that the more you identify with the people who are being victimized in a situation, the closer you feel to them by identity. So that identity could be, for example, that you Mm. are of the same ethnic background or you are of the same religious background or you are, um, you know, female or male or da da da. When you identify more closely with the victim, your levels of stress, the acute, what we call acute stress, early post-traumatic stress symptoms, those rise, those are higher for people who identify more closely with the victims. In addition, people who are more uh, likely to, who identify more with the victims are also more likely to engage with more media. Mm-hmm. And as you engage with more media, you're likely to experience those stress symptoms. Mm-hmm. And that what ends up happening and our work has shown this, what ends up happening is that people end up engaging in the media, getting more distressed, then they start worrying more about the future. Mm-hmm. And over time, they start becoming more engaged with the media and becomes mm-hmm. a cyclical process mm-hmm. over years where a person can become more and more more engaged and distressed by the media right and it's it's very problematic yes so the identification with the victims is is a very important issue it's a very important issue Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so doctor is there any practical advice you could give um our listeners to how best they can informed without affecting our their mental health and what do we do when children are exposed to this kind of violent images? Oh, that's it's fa- another fantastic question. Um, children, it was interesting. After 9-11, mm-hmm. we found that um, children in school, children in London had stress symptoms from watching the 9-11 attacks on television. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Children in London mm-hmm. had right. stress symptoms 
I was one of them actually. So <laughs> I feel like I definitely yeah. yeah. So so what you're looking at is you're looking at the possibility for children to be affected by these images and these these videos and these images and frankly it's it's amazing how much of this video is just being pushed out there and being screened everywhere. But advice I would give to people uh, with regard to the media and with regard to getting news, because it's, it is very important for people to stay informed, to know what's going on in the world around them. Hmm. And I encourage people to do that, but I encourage people to do it very safely. And one of the things I recommend is find what, what are the most trustworthy sources. And the way, I, the way I say that is you find a source is routinely truthful that has not been debunked multiple times use places like Snopes and other debunking um, agencies that, that actually seek to make sure that what you're looking at is fact mm-hmm. and identify a couple of places use them for brief periods of time if you need to a couple times a day like in the morning if that's when you want to get your news Go there, maybe spend 20 minutes, get your news, and then turn it off. And mm-hmm. don't turn it on again all day. Good. Maybe at the end of the day you want to get an update, mm-hmm. you do the same thing. Absolutely. But you, t- you, you literally set, you schedule it mm. so that it's at this time and at wow. this time. And in between, mm. you don't let yourself constantly scroll on the, t- on the phone wow. or whatever it is. Engaging with the, the doom scrolling is really not good yes. for mm-hmm. I'm Dr. Anderson, I'm really glad that you mentioned that, actually. I probably wouldn't have remembered this, actually. Mm. Because this whole thing about discipline, uh, when it comes to social media, it's like, you know, irrespective of even this, this whole issue mm. right now, you really need to discipline yourself on social media. Because like you just said, the scrolling, when you're on right reels and you're on shorts, mm. you're watching a video. The, the, the video that you might be watching right now could be something funny. But you, your mind doesn't even know what the next video is going to be. It's not prepared to receive right. it. You, it could be, it could right. be gruesome. It could be sad. It could be horrific. It could be another hilarious video. You, you basically, over the next ten minutes, <laughs> are putting your mind through an emotional roller coaster. Mm. Uh, what kids yeah. will call emotional yeah. damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, if if you're not preparing yourself for that, that today, yeah, okay, now at nine o'clock, I'm going to sit myself down, and my brain is prepared to know that I'm going to receive some kind of news that could be distracting. Of course, you're going to be more resilient and prepared for that so dr um allison that's actually really good practical advice Mm. um you know first of all i don't even think kids should be on social media there's a regulation policy there in place anyway Mm. i think it's for instagram below 13 or 12 they shouldn't even be on there Mm. this might not be the reality but parents need to make sure about this Mm. those restrictions are there in in, for for a reason Mm. and and absolutely dr allison as you said even it comes to tv and, and news when i was a kid growing up like Mm. My my parents would you know watch news as if it was uh, you know their breakfast morning and afternoon <laughs> and dinner show and maybe perhaps yeah we do need to be more mindful of how our yeah. children are also consuming that content. It's 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 very important and I also encourage people not to use social media hmm. for news. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah actually, because no. the social media sources like TikTok and Instagram, hmm. those places are places where, as you said, people put all kinds of things. Hmm. Yeah. And s- some of it's funny content and cool and all that, and that's great. But there are videos on the internet now that will pop open and start running without you actually actually having an option to get it started. It will yeah. just auto start. Exactly. And when they auto start, you don't have a choice of seeing that initial 
John Tank. Now, you can turn it off, and I encourage you to do that. I encourage people to turn off the auto start on your videos because that can help protect you from those videos that are out there that are going, the the damaging ones, the potentially damaging, highly graphic ones. Um, but yes, I mean, social media, I don't think social media is a, is a good place to go for Mm, news mm, because they have the algorithms, they have, they've tagged you and figured out who you are and they are, they are actually feeding you into a rabbit hole. And if your rabbit hole starts to involve distressing content, you're going to get more and more and more of Mm, it. Absolutely. And the other thing I want to say that I think is really, really important, if I may, that is that it's very important for people to pay attention to your body as you're listening and watching. Mm. If you start feeling yourself tensing up in your shoulders mm. or your neck, if you start finding your breath becoming shorter, if you start finding yourself feeling like your heart beating faster, pay attention to your body because your body may be telling something that your mind hasn't yet registered. Mm. Okay. Sometimes our bodies have a visceral response to things that our brains have fully registered. And so engaged with, you know, taking in what we're seeing, hmm. we don't realize what that's doing to our bodies. Pay attention to yeah. deep breaths while you're doing it and make sure that you're staying in the moment of what you're doing Absolutely. so that you don't end up being harmed by the videos and the images that you're watching. Dr. Allison, this is why I really appreciate the fact that you came on today because you, you've definitely managed to help a lot of people listening right now give them some really practical, valuable advice. And at the end of the day, the reality is we, we keep calling it social media. So it is social media, but what it evidently actually really is, is business. Hmm. These, mm-hmm. Of course, these, these accounts and platforms, they want to thrive off of our mindset, figure out who we are, and then, of course, sell us a product. And we, are, of course, are yeah. a consumer. So, yeah, we have to take all of this with a pinch of salt and remember, Take care of yourself out there. Discipline yourself. And Dr. Allison, thank you very much for coming on and reminding us of the do's and don'ts and the discipline that we need to keep ourselves in a well-minded mindset. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. No, no. pleasure. That Be was well. Dr. Allison Holman, who is an associate professor at the UC Irvine Sue and Bill Gross School of Nursing. And we, as we've already mentioned, and you've probably learned by now, mm. she specializes in trauma and health. Some really practical advice, isn't it, Emran? I think it's, uh, they're very uh, practical advices. And uh, um, I want to just uh, mention a point here that, you know, um, people want to keep up with the news. And, they, you know, it feel like you're missing something if you're not scrolling down the media or, you know, your TikTok app or your uh, Instagram, you know, mm. Instagram uh, feed. But I think uh, what we should really do, if we need to increase our knowledge, we should... Instead of, you know, just strolling down hours and hours, we should yeah. go to reading books. And also, I think we should go to newspaper and magazine instead of just strolling down uh, the media because they, um, you can you get know, all kind of information and mm-hmm. also I think some you're fake right. news. Yeah. I, think, I think we can't blatantly blanket ban or blanket idealize anything. Mm. Uh, you have legacy media, mm. which I would say equally perhaps you shouldn't trust. Yeah. Social media take mm. it with a pinch of salt purely because of algorithm although tiktok recently just came out with a, a statement saying that it's not our algorithm that's suggesting <laughs> pro-palestine content most of our audience are teenagers and they're just pro-palestinian and nothing we can do about it right so uh, of course okay. that's just tiktok but uh, yes 
Instagram, X, of course mm. they have algorithms mm. and of course they're going to suggest things to you mm. which makes you want to use the platform more. That's mm. exactly how a business will work in the first place. <laughs> you don't have people out there who are right now showing us weekly figures of how much they're earning mm. on revenue from mm. Twitter at the mm. moment. It's crazy. Uh, so mm-hmm. this is happening. Mm. But at the same time, how, how should one deal with mm. it? Mm. So the Prophet ﷺ says that when you receive a news, mm. you should investigate it. Mm. And it is enough for a liar to be, be called a liar mm. if they receive a news and they just forward it. Just forward so it. don't become that person mm. who receives the news, even if it's something that you're agreeable to. Mm. Oh, mm. this is something, oh, I love this. Mm. Fact check it. As doctor said, fact check it. And you know, I love this because as a, as a content creator myself, mm. I'm in a position where I have no choice but to do it. Mm. I receive so much information on a daily basis and mm. I'm always thinking, what kind of content should I create next? But every time I take the step, hmm. I have to make sure, okay, let me fact check everything that I'm about to say as much as I possibly can. Hmm. And let me read the narrative from both sides. Hmm. Don't allow yourself to just read the narrative that you agree with. Hmm. You might not like the narrative of, let's say, the far right, the far left, hmm. it doesn't, whatever you may call it. But you should still take a glance at what it is that they're offering and what they're saying. Number, number one. Hmm. And number two, when you're on online social media, mm-hmm. there's a lot of platforms nowadays especially X and others, mm. that have fact-checking resources that are already available. And they are actually open, AI, uh, the open source rather. Mm. So they are actually hold, held and sourced by the community themselves who are able to give notes on particular things. You can, of course, go and check that, verify it, and you are able to do that. And I, like I said, once you have done that, mm. because we're not just talking about, right now we've had discussions what other practical ways to kind of deal with it. We need to talk about this fact that, uh, Imran, that you mentioned in mm. the beginning, which mm. is that as a Muslim, it's not our duty just to deal with it. Yeah. Oh, look at me, I'm dealing with mm-hmm. it. Look at me, I'm, I'm doing fine mentally. Mm. That's not really the standard of, of what a Muslim is. Mm. When, we, when we see something wrong, it, of course it's going to be distressing. Mm. It's going to upset us. Mm. One way that God tells us to be proactive about it, number one, like what you said, do something do about something. it. Start with your hand, yeah. Yeah. Right. If you if you have a capacity, like I said, it, yeah. that doesn't always mean go and fight. <laughs> if you're creating content, yeah. if you're raising your voice, if you're going to write to your MP, yeah. if you're going to protest, raising you are doing yet. Yeah. something about it. And I, mm. like I said in the beginning, anyway, at the mm. very least, what you are doing is you're making the oppressor spend more money to counter your propaganda, <laughs> and they're losing. Quite frankly, they're losing quite mm. miserably. Mm. Okay, number one. Number two, speak out against it. This is very similar. Mm. Mm. So if you are in a position where mm. you have information and you think this is going to be very beneficial to people mm. and it's in a right time, in a right environment, go for it. Mm. Go Definitely. for it. Yeah. In fact, if you're in a position to do it and you don't do it, mm. that's way more dangerous. So that's yeah. uh, you, everybody knows who they are. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I just want to raise one point as well, because if we look back to history, uh, the social media platform launched in um, 2000. Mm. And before that, our brain or our body were not uh, in the position to cope with the uh, with the you know amount of information we get in these days on social media. So I think uh, it's uh, in history it's first time that we are getting so much information and yeah. our brain is not used to get that much information. We're oversensitized to yeah. things right now. I mean, like I said, mm. uh, this 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 bombing of mm. Gaza mm. hasn't been happening just you know on October <laughs> past October mm. seventh. It's been happening mm. for a long time. Mm. Just this year, even before October 7th, mm. dozens of kids in Gaza have already been killed. No one, no one spoke about that, mm. by the way. Thank you very okay. much. Okay. okay. Yeah. Mm. So all I want to say mm. is that it's been happening, let's say, even for the, for the millennials that are out there. Mm. I would mm. say I'm, I was born in the, ni- in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Okay. It wouldn't really make me a millennial. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but the point is that growing up, we saw the Afghanistan, Iraq, mm-hmm. Syria, all of that stuff. We mm. saw it. 
And we saw it, but I saw it on BBC News. Yeah. Or Sky News. Yeah. Or if my dad wanted to turn on Geo News, like, what? <laughs> Come on. But anyway, the, the, the mm. thing is that we saw it from a very limited scope, from mm. a very limited agenda. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. We didn't see mm. what was happening to Muslims. Yeah. Because who would mm. show that? Mm. No one wants to portray the Muslim as the mm. as the innocent victim. Mm. Now, come 2020, 21, 22, 23, we're here. Social media. Guess what? Muslims have taken over the internet. <laughs> You've got not just Muslims, mm. good people, mm. humanitarians mm. have taken over the internet. Mm. And it's showing. And I don't think that oppressors that are out there actually anticipated this. Mm. Because you have God-fearing, humanitarian Jews. I don't know if people are like, are seeing this they're Jews right they are actually standing against the Zionist regime as well and that's why I I can't stand for people Mm -hmm. who just you know are anti-Semitic it's Mm -hmm. not the right approach at all Mm -hmm. even the Quran doesn't doesn't allow this in the first Mm -hmm. place but that's not the point right now what I'm Mm -hmm. trying to say is Mm -hmm. there is a very strong wave Mm -hmm. out there of people who are not afraid to speak the truth show the truth and tell the truth Mm -hmm. and that's why it's imperative that we keep on doing it so today's talk Mm -hmm. and today's well it's not even a talk Mm -hmm. maybe I'm talking too much I don't know (laughs) The, the hour this this whole discussion is about yes deal with it but don't stop it definitely carry on doing mm. what you do you mm. will feel at most you will feel like you've done a good job mm-hmm. at the end of the day you spoke about about it bang uh, let me tell you for me example when okay. i when this two days ago was mm-hmm. just one example mm. where i've been restricted by let's say instagram for example okay. many times i'll be shadow banned mm. or my content will not do as well as as other content and i sometimes i'll think to myself mm. that perhaps the strategy of, of speaking about co- content that's too controversial mm. is it actually a good approach to get a building a, a following let's mm. say or mm. more views mm. and I think about that for a second and then I slap myself in my face because I think th- that's not even the point mm. it doesn't matter if I get 10 views or let's mm. say if I even get banned tomorrow mm. all it takes is for me to actually while the rest of the world is feeling distressed by that content that content reignites me mm. I'm like what am I talking about mm. There's children dying out there. Mm. Who's worried about losing an account? Mm. You've mm. got to do this. So if anything, I'm grateful that we are seeing this because it's going to show tell us that we cannot stop until we stop seeing it. Mm. Mm. We can't say stop showing us while it's still happening. Yeah. So I have to the we'll catalyst have, has yeah, to be removed. Definitely. I think we we'll have to address the primary source which is the oppression happening there. Uh, yeah, definitely. This you know, uh, you know, content we should be watching. What kind of content we we are seeing? But definitely, uh, what happening in Gaza and Palestine should be stopped. And uh, you know, journalists they are reporting uh, on war, even if they have never stepped into a war zone, and are risking their life. Mm. And some of them, you know, um, uh, you said that they they died. Many of the journalists died, and with their with their families. And you and uh, you know, um, uh, uh, workers—they died in the, in the war as well. And you said that that you know most uh, the, in this war mm-hmm. we have lost most of our uh, you know uh, workers. And uh, while we can choose to put our phone down or switch the TV off, for those who you know who who's in the, this profession, i.e., in uh, in journalism, uh, is it their job. They have I to mean, look towards. Th- you this know, is this what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And we mm-hmm. were discussing before the show. Mm-hmm. I don't know how co- how comfortable I was even coming in to talk mm. about this topic today. Okay. And not because what we're talking about isn't relevant. It's mm. very relevant and it's very important. Mm. But I, I feel a bit silly. Let mm. me let me be honest with you. This is my personal take. Anyone listening, uh, sorry if I offend you. Mm. Uh, let's just say that. 
Mm. I felt really uh, privileged mm. to come into the show today and be able to say, oh, look at me. I feel distressed by looking at the content. Mm. I, I really, I don't know. You know, it doesn't, yeah. I don't know about that. Because mm. you've got people who don't have that choice in Gaza. Mm. You've got kids who just don't have that choice, mm. yeah, to not see their mother die. Mm. To not have a building collapse on them. Oh, how mm. nice would that be? Let me just see how I should deal with it. Let me just go on uh, online and see how my mental health should cope with that. Mm. They can't. Mm. They can't do anything about it. Yeah. So any of that thing that I see, content that I see, it should be a catalyst for a Muslim, someone who's God-fearing, mm. to push past the distress. Mm. If they can't speak out, they can't create content, the very least... In fact, it's not even the least. It's a mm. very powerful tool. Mm. You can pray, right? Mm. You can put your head on the floor, right? Mm. Prostrate before God right. and ask for mercy, ask for mm. forgiveness, mm. and ask for what we call al-iqab to destroy those who are oppressive mm. if they if if they don't mm. mend their ways. Yeah, that is what you know. Um, one of the journalists, photographer, said uh, was Motaz. Uh, was basically um, he's taking the picture of uh, you know uh, of Gaza. He, anyone is uh, he wrote on uh, uh, Twitter X. Anyone from outside Gaza that feels entitled to message me and say don't post certain things yeah. is getting, you know, certain things is getting blocked. Well, to be honest, yeah, I, I do agree with those people. Mm. Though. They, they shouldn't they shouldn't post certain things. Okay. And I absolutely agree with this. <laughs> I agree mm. that you shouldn't post yourself sitting under a bus stop with a hat on mm. saying, oh, I'm getting bombed left, mm. right, center, mm. only to next week be revealed that you were lying. Because you're you were an Israeli journalist who pretended to be bombed and, and mm. there was nothing going on mm. because you could see in the in the past mm. behind you that there was public walking completely mm. fine. Yeah. yeah, I agree. You shouldn't mm. post that. Mm. I agree that you should not pretend to be a nurse in Gaza telling people that Hamas are here when actually you're an Israeli actor. I agree. You shouldn't post mm. that. <laughs> this is mm. the point. Mm. So where we need to speak out, we must speak out. Mm. But of course, there are sensitivities out there. Yeah. Like I said, we, we spoke to Dr. Addison. Mm. Why on earth are, are kids watching this? Mm. I mean, parents, take responsibility. You have kids at home who could be sensitive, sensitive to this. And you yourselves, like Dr. Addison said, mm. discipline yourself. Yeah, we, we do need to watch it. We need to be proactive about it. But the only way isn't to, like she said, doom scrolling, right? I mean, that's what she yeah, yeah, Doom yeah. scrolling. Yeah. Falling into this trap of constantly going back. Oh, let me check two minutes in. Let me check. Is there any update? Any mm. update? That's not proactive. Mm. That's going to ruin you and make you a less efficient mm. person, right? Mm. So with to carrying on with that kind of discussion, I think we are going to obviously sure close um, go to our, another export soon. Mm. But Imran, from an Islamic perspective, you're an imam. Mm. What do we do? I think the best approach is, uh, as Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran, that Allah be zikrillahi that definitely it is the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala in which heart finds the comfort. So you can do pray. Um, uh, you can um, Islamically, uh, as as I suggested, the hadith of saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that do whatever in your capacity. If you are in the power, then try to stop the oppression uh, by the hand. If you cannot do anything, then speak out, uh, speak uh, against it. And again, if you uh, in, in not not in that position, then pray. You're and definitely, right. uh, these are the three steps which Islam. I mean, the Caliph of the yeah. Ahmadiyya Muslim community of course, has been speaking out about this quite a lot. And he's actually said, hmm. um, you can spend hours crying, watching the images coming out of Gaza. Hmm. But sometimes it is also important just to put the phone down. And this, of course, echoes exactly what hmm. Dr. Allison said. Yeah, yeah. Look, you can spend hours crying, watching the content, hmm. or you can save those tears for your sajda. Hmm. 
prostrate before God. Mm. Those tears will go to a very, very proactive place, inshallah. And the Prophet Messiah has also said that a human being without the faculty of compassion is no human being at all. And likewise, a religion that does not teach universal compassion mm. is no religion no at all. We're going to go actually now to our next guest expert, Dr. Dana Rose Garfin, uh, who's an assistant professor in residence in the Department of Community Health Sciences at the Fielding School of Public Health at UCLA. She is trained uh, as a psychologist who has done extensive research on trauma. Trauma is the key word here that we're trying to talk about today and mm. get to the root cause of Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Welcome to the Drive Time Show on Voice of Islam Radio. How are you doing? Um, hi, how are you guys? Oh, thank you very much. We're doing okay, I guess. Um, we've got obviously a, a very kind of um, tough topic, I think, to cover. Mm. Uh, a lot of people, I'm, uh, of course, are, are online right now watching content, whether it's something that they stumbled across, as we've mentioned on, on, on Instagram or Twitter, you may not necessarily have the choice to decide what comes up next on your feed. Uh, or there are those who are proactively checking uh, updates every five, ten minutes to see if anything new has come out there. And social media platforms are not holding back in showing distressing content uh, out there on these platforms. So, of course, um, with this current situation in, in mind, how, how likely do you think it is that people actually might be overexposed to violent or graphic images? And do you think that people are actually consciously aware of kind of how it's affecting them on a daily basis? Or is it just something that they're allowing for it to happen and it's just going to take a toll at some point? How exactly is this going to work? So that's a really big question. And I think that that is going to happen in a few ways. I mean, first of all, I think in today's media environment, the more you click, the more that you're shown those images, right? Absolutely. So there's these al- there's these algorithms. So it's this reinforcing cycle. I mean, especially... You know, a lot of people have really strong ties to the region, um, in addition to people just being really concerned about it that don't have strong ties to the region. So, you know, you're clicking on it, you're seeing it on the news, but then especially on your phone, your computer, it's all integrated now. So, you know, the media companies know what you're interested in, so they're going to continually be showing you more of the things that you're clicking on. So the more interest that you show in it, the more you're going to be getting fed that. I mean, I think a lot of people are very aware of how distressing the situation has been for them. I mean, I have heard from people that are having difficulty getting their work done. Mm -hmm. They feel, um, you know, scared in their own communities. They feel attacked by other people because, you know, some of this is stuff that they're actually seeing and some of the stuff is that they're seeing reported on the news. So even if they haven't personally experienced it, Hmm. they're experiencing it indirectly through the media. Hmm, Definitely. Um, Doctor, um, what responsibility does the media have in keeping the viewers informed when it comes to showing uh, brutal, violent imagery? So this really, this conversation started after 9-11 when there were these horrible images of people jumping from buildings and there was scientific research coming out that showed that the more that people were exposed to these images, the more that people were exposed to this media coverage, the more distressed they were. And some of my colleagues even demonstrated that long-term, some of this exposure actually had effects on your physical health as well as your mental health, so increased cardiovascular ailments. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think even though maybe the mainstream media is aware of it and you'll see that they have warnings on their news coverage now, which I think is great, even though, you know, I don't know if people might still watch it anyway, but at least I think that the mainstream media is trying, but Mm. like you pointed out, 
that's not what's happening on social media. So many people are getting their information right now from firsthand accounts, right. things that are being reposted. So, you know, whether NBC or BBC have the warning on their show, that's not necessarily going to always make a huge impact in what people are watching and listening okay. to and being exposed to. Well, yeah. you're, you're absolutely right. I think this is a whole different kind of ball game there is a question I want to ask but before I come to that question there is another question I wanted to ask um, kind of because obviously everybody if they're not experiencing this themselves you're definitely going to have someone around you who is experiencing either secondary trauma or even PTSD how can we re- help that person let's say and this is kind of a naive question coming from me I may have people in my own family even mm. that they, they watch this and I can physically see that it's affecting them but also their entire day uh, how do we uh, help in this circumstance I think reaching out to people letting them know that they're not alone letting them know that this is a distressing situation and even if they're not directly experiencing it it is very upsetting on a lot of levels so just kind of normalizing that response. There's nothing wrong with you that you're upset about a situation Mm. that is just very upsetting. Mm. And also encouraging people to do things that are a kindness for themselves. So whether that is putting the phone down, turning off the TV, you know, sometimes people just need more sleep. Their body is so activated from being upset about these events. Mm. So doing those kind of things like exercising, self-care, getting some sleep, maybe watching a favorite movie, just sort of like some of that downtime because people are in a state of hypervigilance. People Mm -hmm. are in a state of trauma. Their sympathetic nervous system, their fight or flight response in their body is Mm -hmm. activated. Even if all of they're doing is being exposed to this, as well as hearing about it from friends and family that are talking about these events. Mm -hmm. Uh, Doctor, there are so many channels and, uh, you know, um, YouTube channels and, you know, uh, main media channels uh, from mm-hmm. where we get news today. Uh, what role do you think does social media play? Social media is playing a huge role. And I think importantly to point out with this conversation is there is a lot of misinformation out there. Mm. Things are being reported before they're confirmed. You know, there were these in, these reports that some of these images that are shown are not even from the actual conflict. They're from things that happened years ago. Um, You know, and so it's like creating this experience. Not only is some of that information very distressing, but we have shown, my colleagues and I in our research, that when you are getting exposed to conflicting information, Mm -hmm. that in and of itself is very distressing. Mm -hmm. So if you're hearing from multiple Uh, people, multiple news sources, and it's conflicting information, you don't know what to believe, That is actually Mm -hmm. another trigger for psychological distress and for traumatic stress responses to the media. You're absolutely Mm -hmm. right. That that is something now that I think about it Mm -hmm. really would throw someone like me off as well. And Mm -hmm. I I think if you hadn't mentioned that, perhaps Mm -hmm. we wouldn't even have been able to pinpoint Mm -hmm. that trigger. Mm -hmm. This is what it is. Mm -hmm. So it's really good to kind of be conscious of of what it is in the first place Mm -hmm. and kind of diagnose uh, why we are feeling like that. And I think one way is obviously to listen to someone like you (laughs) and also but to discuss it um, Mm -hmm. with with your peers and and those around you that you feel comfortable to share it with. Um, But of Mm -hmm. course, um, we have one more question for you, actually. And that is that you've already given us actually quite a lot of practical mm-hmm. advice when it comes to disciplining yourself and being kind of kind to yourself mm-hmm. as well. We should never allow ourselves mm-hmm. to not do that. Um, but there are, of course, uh, well, not of course, a lot of people, everyone, I would imagine, wants to keep up with kind of what's going on 
on in the news. But they are, of course, uh, a risk of it affecting them, their mental health and, uh, you know, how they are. So how do they really balance this? We had Dr. Allison that was talking about kind of, you know, maybe perhaps having one time in the morning where you watch your news, one time in the evening, and then just kind of try and not do anything in between that. Uh, is there any kind of further advice that you would like to give to our viewers? I love that advice. I think that's great advice. And then I would also just caution people to really limit and if they can avoid completely the disturbing images yeah. because our, our science has shown that the images in particular, the graphic images are extremely distressing for people. Hmm. And I'll say this, we've shown too that the graphic radio reports. So, I mean, there's been some extremely powerful you know, podcasts that come out where there's a lot of graphic description. I mean, you know, people experience that in their mind's eye. And of course, it's important to be informed about the issue. At the same time, that has to be balanced between repeated exposure to these traumatic images and this Mm -hmm. traumatic information, because it's not helping. (laughs) Like when you're so activated, you're so distressed, you're so emotional. It's not really moving towards your own mental health. It's not allowing you as an individual in society to take constructive action to create peace in your life and your community and the world. So, you know, to really like balance those kind of broader goals with your need and the importance of staying informed about these issues. Right. So it comes down to, again, being really careful about Mm. how you consume, what you consume, and if you should be consuming it in the first place. I've always argued, it's not just me, youngsters and children of Mm. course shouldn't first of all even be on those platforms Mm. but if somehow they are you know we need to be very very careful about that so uh, does is it doctor the case that i don't know how to put this i I guess you can never become immune to this but is it the case that the younger you are the the worse it's going to be in the way that you receive it or comprehend it it's worse in the way that children already don't necessarily have those skills Hmm to separate what they're seeing on the news from what they're experiencing in their lives, right? So they see something that's far away. They're going to feel threatened in their own life. I mean, some children, when they're very small, I mean, they have a really hard time telling the difference between something fictional and something real, let alone something Mm. real that's harming other people and something that's going to harm themselves. So, you know, creating that sense of safety for children, um, you know, I think is really, really important because they are very susceptible to these types of information and images and news reports. So, you know, having parents that are willing to talk about it if they want to. So we found that in a family context, telling your child, hey, I'm here. I'm here to answer questions. I'm here to listen if and when you're ready to talk. Absolutely. That can be very helpful. Thank you very much, Dr. Dana Rose Agarfin. We, we obviously uh, are aware that there's a lot of listeners right now that are going through this. Hmm. And your mm-hmm. advice, including to us and them, is really, really profound. It's really practical, helpful, quite, quite easy to hopefully implement. Hmm. So we really appreciate that. And we hope you have uh, a wonderful day. Thank you very much for coming on to the Drive Time Show. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thanks Bye. for having me.
Thank you. That was Dr. Donna Rose Garfin, who is an assistant professor in residence at the Department of Community Health Sciences at the Fielding School of Public Health at UCLA. And of course, Imran, we've mm-hmm. kind of got a lot of practical yeah. working tips mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. How, first of all, should you consume it? Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, I, I don't think we're necessarily arguing in the case of the content creators stopping what they're doing. They mm-hmm. know why they're doing it. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we are now obliged to watch it. I mm-hmm. mean, for example, mm-hmm. the internet's massive. Yeah. There's a lot of content that people create on the mm-hmm. internet. I would say 80% of it, we already know is filth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't oblige us to get up and watch it all yeah. the time. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that this is filth. Of course, mm-hmm. this is not yeah. filth. This is very important information. But is it something that you need to watch over and over and over again? Maybe mm-hmm. maybe not. Yeah, maybe maybe not. you've seen it once. Maybe mm-hmm. you've got an Im- image of what it's like and you mm-hmm. already are affected by it. Mm-hmm. And now you know what you need to do with, about mm-hmm. it. So therefore, you don't need to keep going back Definitely. because perhaps it might demoralize you. Mm. I think the, the point which Ali mentioned, His Holiness, he said, uh, instead of you know wasting your time watching these kind of things, you should, I mean, you should stay informed. But in, instead of watching these kind of things and getting depressed and crying, you should, you know, put your head on the ground and pray to God that, you know, whatever you can do, you can, uh, there are uh, MDA Muslim communities raising fund mm. uh, for Palestine. You can donate yeah. some money. You can write uh, um, the letter to the MP and prime minister. Um, you can, uh, you know, speak up um, and w- do whatever you can do. And, uh, you know, uh, instead of uh, just getting depressed and, uh, um, you know, ba- basically seeing a lot of these kind of uh, content. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think, yes, this, this is the case mm. that these things are distressing. Mm. The Quran also does mention distressing stories of people, hmm. people hmm. that were faced uh, the wrath of God, for example, even the people of God themselves who were hmm. persecuted hmm. by the oppressors. Hmm. These are distressing stories. Hmm. God did not refrain from narrating these stories. And the reason he did this, you will see, look, look, I've just narrated to you the story of those mm. who were liars, who were oppressors, who stood against the truth. What mm. happened to them? Mm. So therefore, it's important to tell the story of those who are oppressed. And it's even more important to stand mm. on the right side of history. I just want to quote one of the photographer from Gaza. His quote is, he said, anyone from outside Gaza that feels entitled to message me and say, don't post certain thing is getting blocked. Stop messaging me from your comfort zone. Mm. This is our reality. Mm. You have no say in this. If you're suffering, if our suffering makes you uncomfortable, mm. imagine how it feels us, how it makes us feel. Yeah. So definitely... Uh, this is a th- point uh, of ponder that if just by seeing them, they are suffering, it making us, uh, you know, uh, we are depressing. Just seeing the suffering, so imagine how they are feeling. They are in that situation. Absolutely, mm. and the only way we can really come to resolve with this, mm. dear viewers, is if we stop seeing it happen, mm. and that can only be done by actually fighting against the oppression with our voices with your concerns and with any ability that you have. So ultimately, this is hopefully what we will try to achieve. Inshallah, the Muslims are Mm. praying for this. The Jews are praying for this. The Christians and people of all God-fearing faiths Mm. are praying for this. So we will see this. Um, And of course, we hope that you guys who are listening right now have benefited from this. We're actually going to now take a short break. 
After the break, we're going to come back and discuss what, Imran? So we're going to discuss about uh, the previous day on 19th was uh, um, Father um, Men's Day. So we're going to talk about the masculinity, responsibility right? of masculinity. Yeah. All right, after the break. Assalamu alaikum wa and peace be upon you all. We're back now for the Drive Time Show and we are currently live. And you can call us in at 0208. 687-7878 or tweet to us at Voice of Islam UK or on Instagram also at Voice of Islam UK just mind the sensitive content we'll be fine and we are now back for Imran another topic absolutely uh, we're going to talk about um, the um, so on the uh, 19th of November there was a there was a men day and uh, so we chose this topic men leading by example so we're okay. in this show we're going to talk about the role of the father and the role of a good man mm. in in his household, okay. and uh, as in the bigger picture, we're going to talk about uh, the um, you know leadership um, and uh, uh, the Holy Prophet Sallallahu as a best example for us, and also uh, talking about the companions of the Prophet Right, Messiah right, the right. This is a good topic because mm. obviously masculinity right now, mm. well, masculinity and feminism, yeah, misogyny and misandry. Are all very very important topics, especially in the last year or a half. Uh, you've had people like I forget her name, Rose something on social media, very big influencer, advocating for what she believes to be true feminism and what isn't. Mm-hmm. We've had the likes of Andrew Tate, mm. who I don't know, seemingly recently been a bit quiet, mm. and many others who've mm. popped up in the scene trying to tell us what they believe is true masculinity and what simply isn't. But of course, before we talk about what they have to say and what Islam has to say. We want to hear what you have to say, Imran. There was a poll. Yeah, so uh, there was a poll and we asked the people that who is your male role model? And uh, we got various replies. Most of them, rather all of them except one, mm. said the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And one said, my grandfather. Maliha mm. said, my grandfather. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, this shows us that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is a true role model. Definitely, uh, um, some people have their teacher role model, some people have you know, their parents, uh, but the ultimate uh, leader or the ultimate role model is the Holy Prophet. Peace and blessings I, mean, for I, I feel like if you can be an individual hmm. who tries their best hmm. to follow upon the footsteps of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, be that your grandfather, yeah. your father, yeah. your brother, your teacher, you hmm. will begin to cherish and love that individual as well. Definitely. Because but, it, yes. because I think that person is um, reflecting the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Um, um, if it's just a personal question, who is your role model as a, a in in worldly terms? Or My in days. <laughs> I wasn't expecting this question. Let me take a sip of water. Um, well, it entirely depends on what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. If I'm talking about calisthenics, I've only got a limited number of people <laughs> I can talk about. But in all seriousness, mm-hmm. of course, we've got so many different role models mm-hmm. that we can adhere to. Of course, everything that we know, mm-hmm. and sometimes I think about this actually. Okay. You know, I was thinking about this, uh, that, okay, you know, if if um, so-and-so hadn't invented the car, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have had a car. Yeah. Okay, cool. If so-and-so hadn't invented the light bulb, <laughs> you know, we wouldn't have had... Okay, Tesla didn't invent the light bulb. We wouldn't have had the light bulb. Yeah. Okay, whatever. If the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, did not come, hmm. we wouldn't have had Islam. Definitely. And if I think about it, 
That's basically my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> so forget role model or not. I don't even know if I'm worthy to call him my role model yet because uh-huh. that, that means I'm trying to really follow him. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how good I am at that. Oh, okay. But in, in, in terms of how much he's just purely given me, mm. yeah, immeasurable, think, of course. Definitely. I think um, in your life, you have to have someone uh, you can follow. Um, because in life you have to have a goal and when you have a goal then you have to have set you know the example for example in football most of the people say my role model is Messi or Ronaldo so whenever they f- think about football they think I want to become Messi or Ronaldo because they are the most too s- successful right. you know, footballer in the football history mm, mm. so similarly if we look in the life both religious or secular I think the, the the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is the perfect example for us. And that's what the Michael Hart said um, in his book, The 100 Most Influential oh, yes. influential um, um, uh, Person. And he put the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, on the first uh, place. And he said that, you know, you might astonish that why did I you know, put the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon mm-hmm. him in the, in the first number? Because he was the only person in history who was successful in uh, the religious term as well as in the worldly, he conquered yep. Makkah. He was the ruler, and he was uh, a ruler for for over you know spiritual spiritual ruler as well. So that that really settles, I think, why mm. people voted for the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace be upon yeah. him as their role model in mm. life. And this is beautiful. But like I said, uh, mm. in in the current society where you have so much going on on social media. You have different factions that start to, let's say, perceive things a certain way. Mm. And recently, like I've said, the, the tide has been strong. Mm. You had people like Andrew Tate <clears throat> yep. who came out and starting saying things, which, of course, attracted a huge audience. Mm. And I wouldn't even say all of them were men. There were also <laughs> a lot of women True. that were like, yeah, this guy's speaking facts. Yeah. And it's just sent everyone into a kind of frenzy. Uh-huh. Now, in hindsight, I would say we can kind of look into it in hindsight now. Perhaps mm. maybe it's a bit too soon, but mm-hmm. we can look back at it. What mm. was actually going on? Mm. I, I, I think what was going on is this, mm-hmm. that you had an individual. It wasn't the fact that everything he was saying was absolutely perfect Correct, or that yeah. I really want to be exactly like this. Mm. But it was just the fact that some of the things that he mm. was saying were absolutely resonating with men because nobody else had said them. Hmm. And they weren't even profound things. They were perhaps things that people had just forgotten. And of course, when he accepted Islam, Hmm. for me, Hmm. it was like, oh, now I know where that's coming from. Because anybody can stand up. Hmm. Well, not anybody, but anybody with an influence and a following, as long as they stand up and they speak the truth. Hmm. And for me, that is Islam. That person will gain interest. Definitely. Because they are speaking of that, hmm. which is from the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Hmm. Now, can we strictly, in hindsight, say for me personally, that everything that he may have said hmm. is going to be absolutely perfect? I don't think actually anybody can say that. No yeah. one's perfect hmm. anyway. Now, of course, he's a new convert to hmm. Islam. He's still learning about Islam. Hmm. There's a lot of things that you have to change and hmm. adapt to. So we, we, of course, can't say that you should immediately make someone like that your role model. Of course, at the same time, he was talking about e-commerce, business, finance. <laughs> and of course, he's very successful in that. Yeah. And that's why I say this question is actually quite contextual. Mm-hmm. Because there might be a, a lot of people out there, mm-hmm. their goal in life mm-hmm. might be financial. Yeah. So therefore, if they're turning to Andrew Tate or people like him for mm-hmm. financial matters, then they're doing that because they want to gain money. Mm-hmm. And for that, that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that mm-hmm. because that's what their objective is. Yeah. But for people who, let's say, their goal in life is spirituality, mm-hmm. Okay, you've got influencers online that are talking. Yeah. They probably know a little bit. Mm. They probably learned a little bit. Some of them, like I said, are new converts. Some of them have read more. Mm. 
But they probably haven't read as much as <laughs> Mufassirin, as Muhaddithin, yeah. those who are the true eminent, renowned mm. scholars of Islam. And they certainly haven't read or know as much as those who we know as the Salaf, who are the original companions in the first three hundred century, in the first three centuries, and of course the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him. So first and foremost, mm. we should try our best to take our information from the primary source. Definitely. And you know what's amazing about mm. that? Mm. That His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masrur, Allah strengthen his hand, recently for the past few years actually, mm. has been delivering sermons yeah. on mm. none else than the three hundred and thirteen companions, those who fought, lived, and breathed. And sacrifice side by side to the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And maybe you can't relate to one of them, but you'll relate to the next man. And mm. if you can't relate to him, you can relate to the next mm. man. Yeah. So you will find someone that you can relate to. Mm. It just takes that effort mm. to push past the kind of easy game. Because it's very easy mm. to listen to an Instagram influencer. Because all you have to turn do is mm. turn on Instagram. It might be a bit more difficult to open a book. But just imagine how much more gold is in there. So this is why I think when he's mm. asked these kinds of questions, who's your role model? Yeah, mm. if it's for business, it might be someone else. Mm. If it's for football, it would probably be someone mm. else. Mm. But if we're talking about the bigger picture, mm. which is my life goals, why am I here? What is my ultimate purpose? Mm. Your question would have to become a little bit more specific. Mm. Uh, you know, am I really going to put my hands in the life of someone mm. who's, who's got superficial achievements only? They're not bad achievements. Being rich is not bad. Being a very successful footballer is not bad. Being a bodyweight champion in, in weightlifting or boxing is not bad. Mm. Is it the end goal? Mm. If for you at home right now it isn't, mm. then of course your role model has to be someone else. Mm. Your role model has to be someone who did it all. And like you said, Imran, mm. there was one person who did it all. Mm. And that was the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace, peace be, be upon him. him. So we look at him. We look at those who saw mm. him, observed him, mm. tried to emulate him. And I think we should go through some of those companions as well. Definitely. Uh, I think it is very important uh, when you have a you know, very positive um, male role model around you. Because if it's your father, it is going definitely going to influence their children. Mm. So, for example, if the, the, the children are always, always you know, watching their parents, um, especially their father, how... Uh, he's uh, treating their family, how he's uh, basically conducting their business, how he's earning and how he basically uh, behave uh, people around him. So I think it is very important to have a positive role model um, around you and especially uh, for the young uh, future generation to come. I think we'll have a uh, first caller of uh, this hour. Um, Indeed, that is in- Shariar Khurum Bajwa, who's a trainee imam of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Mm. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Peace be upon you. How are you doing today? Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. I'm good, alhamdulillah. Jazakallah for having me today. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today, of course. I mean, we're kind of talking about role models right now. We're going to, after this, yeah. probably delve into a little bit about masculinity as well. So, this is kind of hot topics, um, I guess, in a lot of youth right now. So, of course, you're still a trainee imam. That doesn't mean that you. I don't know anything. I remember when I was a trainee <laughs> imam, it was actually something. I even feel like as a trainee imam, uh-huh. your knowledge is a bit sharper. It because you're just learning it in that moment. So you remember it yeah. fresh. So yeah. obviously as a trainee imam, let's now let's <laughs> redefine that, what that means. How do you emphasize the values of justice, compassion and humility in your community? Um, drawing inspiration from the Promised Society, peace be upon him, and his caliphs. And of course, the, uh, the, just for the, re- for the listeners, the Prophet Society, peace be upon him, again, is an individual mm. who perfectly 
emulated the character of the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him and that's why actually we're talking about him right now so tell us a little bit about that please so I think personally I think it's really important uh, to first inculcate values uh, such as justice compassionate humility as you said in yourselves before you can uh, inculcate it in others and just as you said the Prophet Muhammad he was uh, such a great role model and he fully implemented all the teachings of the Holy Prophet and the Holy Quran. It's even mentioned that he, uh, that one of his companions said that he read the Quran so many times mm. and used to highlight the instructions uh, of what to do and what not to do and he used mm. to fully act on it. And I think without inculcating these instructions in yourself first, mm. you cannot like really spread them to others. Mm. So I feel like um, in my role, I'm trying to improve myself first and then also improve others mm-hmm. i think it's important to start by uh, improving like your own household mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. moving on to your wider community Definitely. if you look mm-hmm. at um Hazur as well mm-hmm. um recently in his khutbas he's been talking about palestine a lot he's asked, he's been asking us to pray for justice in palestine mm-hmm. and why do we listen to him because we listen to him because for the past five ten years mm-hmm. he's been so adamant that we need to inculcate justice in the world and he's been speaking about Palestine for many years mm. and he's been speaking about World War Three for many years mm. and it's only through his example that we ourselves are moved that we should also be doing something about this issue definitely um, very well put Sharia um, can you share some stories or incidents where the Holy Prophet peace and blessing of Allah be upon him and the promised Messiah uh, on whom be peace served as a role model for men in their conduct in their leadership and how these examples are relevant in today's society so the extent uh, to which the Holy Prophet وسلم, was such an excellent model is even mentioned in the Holy Quran mm. in chapter 33 verse 32 uh, verse 22 where Allah the Almighty states لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْضُ اللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرَةِ Now verily you have in the Prophet of Allah an excellent model for him who fears Allah and the last day and who remembers Allah the most. Hmm. And uh, I think this is just shown one incident is that just in one of his recent khutbahs on Hmm. the 27th of October uh, Hazur told of an incident um where the Holy Prophet وسلم, he went to uh, Hazrat uh, Ali's house, mm. the house of Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Fatima, and he woke them up and he asked them, do you not pray your tahajjud prayers in the morning? Mm. And obviously Hazrat Ali, he said, sort of, he remarked that when Allah Ta'ala wakes us up, then we uh, read it. So it's, the Holy Prophet وسلم, he was very angered by this. Mm. And he thought, um, that sure he said Hazur mentioned that Hazur uh, replied that surely man um, loves to make excuses mm-hmm. so I think this was such a powerful incident because after that Hazrat Ali uh, he felt really ashamed on himself mm. uh, look this is what I said I should really be reading the Hajj and he saw obviously the example of the Holy Prophet right. who himself was reading the Hajj so much And he never missed Hajj. 
Hmm. This is this is an absolutely. I, I found this incident great because you see that Hazrat Ali was he never missed Hajj after this, right. just because of the example of the Holy Prophet. Hmm. And the Holy Prophet was inculcating his teachings first in his own family and then to his followers. Hmm. Excellent. Hmm. Excellent. Um, um, so Shahir, Shahir, um, how do you guide men in your community to actively, um, you know, contribute to societal well-being? echoing the principles set uh, forth by Islam. So I think it's very important to continuously remind uh, our Hadim, our Tafala and Sa'ar, um, especially for office bearers, because uh, before Jamia, I was um, a Khidmat al-Halq secretary. Mm-hmm. So that's directly on societal well-being. Uh-huh. And I think the main thing is that you should remind your Hadim and you should do contribution yourself because when people look at you um let's say you're like really young like myself mm. and people look at your example and they think oh this this um this khadam this young khadam he's only 16 he's just turned khadam mm. he's already um you know taking part in all these initiatives he is trying to uh, improve society so it sort of not not shames other people but it sort of makes them feel as well that you know, if someone this young can do it, why can't I do it? Hmm. Hmm. Right. Um, so, um, Shahriyar, um, how does the concept of leading by example align with the teaching of Islam, especially from the perspective of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and the founder of the Muslim community, on whom be peace? So, there's a hadith related uh, by the Holy Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, about keeping good company hmm. um, and he reported uh, Hazrat Abu Musa reported that the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him said verily the parable of a good companion a good company and a bad company hmm. is only that of a seller of musk and a blacksmith the seller hmm. of musk will give you some perfume you will buy some right. or you will notice a good smell as for the blacksmith he will burn uh, your clothes or you will notice a bad smell hmm. from Bukhari. So, the Holy Prophet ﷺ, he emphasized so much on keeping good company. Hmm. So, you can't just um, become like, keep yourself with good company, that's also a good thing. But you should also try as a role model, you should become a role model for others, and you should be their good company. Hmm. And you should turn them into a good company. Right. And Allah... Allah has commanded us uh, in, and he taught us this prayer in the Holy Quran Rabbana hablana min azwajina wa zuriyatina kurata ayunim aj'alna lil muttaqina imama Our Lord grant us of our wives and children the delight of our eyes and make us a, a model for the righteous in chapter 25 verse 75 So Allah mm-hmm. he gave us in this injunction that we should pray to become a model so if it's if it's a direct uh, sort of hmm. command from the Quran, then there's no reason for us not to amal on it. Absolutely. So may Allah enable us to fulfill this command of the Quran That's and enable us to become said. excellent role models. Thank you very much, Mr. Sharia Imam, trainee at Jami Ahmadiyya UK. Thank you very much for getting in touch, giving us your insight, and we hope to speak to you again sometime soon. Assalamualaikum Thank you very much. That was. Trainee Imam Sheriyar uh, um, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community talking about kind of his insight mm. into him 
kind of talking about the importance of first of all adopting good company mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. trying to become that yourself as well definitely uh, i think he's mentioned what one of the two two very good things uh, pointed that uh, you know the holy Quran prophet uh, the holy Quran says that kunu masadikin be with the righteous one and definitely um, you know uh, when you uh, are with the righteous people definitely they have effect on you and uh, one of the other hadith of the holy prophet sallallahu said that uh, you are on the iman of your friend which means that uh, whatever your friend uh views are uh, it's most likely that your view going to be you know well, certainly affect you certainly affect you your society so, around you yeah. you need to be very careful yeah. in fact sometimes you don't even have a choice mm-hmm. uh, when your kids the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam has actually said mm-hmm. that you know a, a child is born ala fitrat sahiha that a child mm-hmm. is born with a pure nature mm-hmm. it's only the parents that later then turn that child into whatever a christian jew mm-hmm. pagan atheist whatever mm-hmm. you want to call mm-hmm. it so of course your society around you has mm-hmm. an influence on you so we actively must be careful Mm-hmm. about the nar- narratives that are instilled into our minds and who mm-hmm. who we become ultimately it's up to us mm-hmm. to decide between right and wrong the quran has says fa'alhamaha fujuraha wa taqwaha you know what's right and what's wrong mm-hmm. however you will not know that if you are not confident to be truthful to yourself if you mm-hmm. can't be tr- if you're not able to have tr- open and honest conversations with yourself the truth might be in your face mm-hmm. but you won't be able to see it mm-hmm. so removing that arrogance that ignorance mm-hmm. that i'm i can't be wrong mm-hmm. don't tell me what to do mm-hmm. oh i'm on the right path no really try to open your eyes a little mm-hmm. bit and of course this is talking about role models but i think we really need to come to the crux of the topic now which yeah. is masculinity Definitely. what's a man mm. what makes a man the macho man <laughs> is it the muscle power is it yeah that super duper sumo power mm. no probably not but anyway what is it we're going to find out right now yeah <laughs> We need to find out what masculinity mm. is. Since this is an Islamic show, we're going to really mm. kind of hit the nail on the head mm. from that perspective. Yeah. Um, let's go to the caliphs of Islam. Because we have Hazrat Ali, radiallahu anhu, who is the fourth caliph of Islam. He said, Has Allah Almighty sufficed you in your book? Or has he not sufficed you in your book? Where he has said, Verily, Allah commands justice and excellence. Justice is to have a sense of fairness. Mm. And excellence is to prefer others to yourself. What mm. remains of manhood after this? Wow. So first and foremost, a man is that person who puts others before himself. Mm. But let's talk about rights later. Mm. First, try and give other people their rights and, and, their, and their dues. That's, that's the first thing a man should be. Then it's related. Umar ibn al-Khattab, the mm. second caliph of Islam, radiallahu an, he said that the foundation of a man is his, not his, not his muscle, It's mm. his intellect, oh. his mm. honor in his religion and his manhood mm. is his character. Wow. It doesn't really say anything about physicality here. Yeah. But of course, we know Hazrat Umar was a, a very physical <laughs> individual. He was very strong. Mm. So let's not neglect that for mm. a minute. Mm. These men all went to battles. They all fought yeah. for Islam. Mm. A lot of them died for Islam. Mm. So let's not forget that, of course, mm. that is also a man. Yeah. But let's carry on. We will come to these topics. Mm. There's so much. And there is again Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu an. Do not let yourselves be impressed mm. by the roar of a man. I should probably calm down a bit. <laughs> Rather, if he fulfills the trust uh-huh. and restrains himself from harming the honor of people. So mm. yeah, then he will truly be a man. Honor of people. Do you know what a man is? Mm. A man is in that person mm. when someone harms your ego. That he says, all right, mate, I'm going to show you now. I'm going to show you. You're not going to ever, you're going to regret challenging me ever. That's not a man. Mm-hmm. A man understands that 
true honor is mm. keeping the other person's honor. How and beautiful is that? That's that's reminding me one of the hadith of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu that you know, um, a powerful man is not who beats uh, other wrestler in the in the court. Mm. A powerful man is the one who basically control himself yes. and control his anger. So wow. I think this is. Uh, uh, I think you previously you mentioned as Umar ibn al-Khattab, yes. the second caliph of Islam, the beautiful quote that how man manages himself, his character is real. Uh, tells you how how powerful and how messy this, this is, is exactly what it is and I, I think this is mm. what my feeling is that the lack of all of these things that we've just mentioned mm. a man's honor respecting someone else's honor being good in character prefer prefer preferring other people to yourselves mm. and having your honor in your religion mm. and being well learned in your religion all of these things are depleted mm. in today's society what does that what's that led to men are not being men Hmm. And hmm. now women are complaining. Where are the men? Yes. Yeah. And to be, to be fair, they partially cannot be blamed. Hmm. Hmm. Of course, we're not saying that all men are just the worst and women are perfect. That, that we all need to improve. Hmm. But right now, we are talking about masculinity. So this is the fundamental teaching of Islam. A man, his manhood, is to respect someone else's honor, to prefer yourself to another person, to be intellectually strong in your faith, and to be honorable with your faith. Stand true to your word in your faith. This is a man. And then we have the examples of the companions. What they did. Being rich is good. Hmm. Andrew Trait's a, I don't know, billionaire at least, probably. Off paper, who knows. Hmm. Yeah. Is, is being rich a man? No. But what is a man? A man is that person who is incredibly rich. Hmm. But when he comes to Medina and the people are suffering, yeah. he gives his money away. Hmm. Yes. Is a strong man a man? No. Mm. But a strong man is a man mm. who when the Prophet calls him, come and fight in the sake of Islam. Come and fight for the sake of freedom. Mm. He doesn't run to his bedroom. Mm. That's, a That's a man. So yeah. having these qualities, these faculties alone mm. is absolutely useless. Mm. That's not manhood. Mm. Using them for the right purpose that's manhood right person on the right occasion definitely exactly so the mm. man is made by the moment mm. also, not by his wealth definitely <laughs> definitely also one of the beautiful verses I think uh, which describe what is manhood is or uh, how uh, should leader react is lima takuluna mala tafalu yes that you know why why do you say what you do not do yourself and this is your is I think your action should match your words. If you're saying to someone that you know uh, be punctual, um, do your you know for example um, play sports or something like that to your children, but you're not doing by yourself, yeah. then basically what messaging you're sending to your children is that yeah. it is it is okay, yeah. it is okay to uh, to say something but do not act. You're, I'm really song. happy you mentioned that mm. because mm. I was at a talk at a youth event, the national youth event recently mm-hmm. in in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and we had a talk mm. about masculinity mm. I think someone we had an open question session at the end and mm. someone asked me like you know we've got people who are idolizing Andrew Tay and others right now what mm. do we do about it mm-hmm. although to some extent it's not really my concern to be worried about that, that really mm. but I, I did respond with one thing I said you're fighting so hard mm. for such and such mm. person to not be their role model. <laughs> why on earth, for mm. blazing God's sake, why on earth mm. are you not your child's role model? Very good point. Yeah. 
we're trying to look for ABC left, right, center for some kind of superhero to become my kid's role model. He's going to save us. Mm. My kid will finally pay attention to this guy instead. Mm. Why not you? Mm. Why are you not fit and healthy if you are able to do it? Mm-hmm. Why are you not intellectual if you are able to do it? Mm-hmm. If you are able to do it and if God's enabled you to do it and you're not doing it, mm. you've only got yourself to blame. So role models first and foremost, like the Prophet sallallahu mm. said, it is the parents mm. that turn the child into a certain way. So if you are a parent, forget role models for a minute. You have to be that, that person, mm-hmm. mother or father. But we are, of course, talking about masculinity. And like I said, there is a complete depletion mm. of actual men in society today who are fulfilling what we've discussed so far. Mm. Because right now, what it's about is completely, completely different. Right now, if you, if you talk to the feminist lobby, mm. a man is someone who comes home and cooks and cleans. Okay? Very good man. Mm. Okay. Mm. If you talk to the ultra red pill masculinist mm. lobby, a man is who treats women like their goods, baggage. Yeah. 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 I've, got, I've got a cigar. I'm rich. I don't care about anybody mm. who comes in my way. I'm going to destroy that man. I'm going to show mm. them I'm the alpha male. Mm. These are two disparities, complete yeah. extremes. Mm. None of them are completely descriptive of yeah. what a man is. So we need to find and sift through this, the problems that have created mm. such society. We have tantrums. We have actual genuine frustrations. Mm. Mm. Women who are frustrated for genuine reasons and men who are frustrated for genuine reasons. Right. Now, what's going on? What, number one, the biggest issue right now which I've personally is hmm. it's this isn't about men versus women okay this isn't even about masculinity versus feminism mm-hmm. this is about faith and God mm-hmm. and Islam versus secularism and neoliberalism the idea that I know what's good for me mm-hmm. I'm a man living in liberal society no one needs to tell me how to live my life I'm a, I know mm-hmm. I know I don't need God to tell me about this yeah. the idea of neoliberalism mm. I I should prioritize myself man Love myself man mm-hmm. I don't need to care about What other people think about me mm. Why? Why should I bother then? Go, go away mm-hmm. These are poisons in society mm. And this is the root cause Of all of this Because think, Islam mm-hmm. Is the opposite mm. The idea yeah. That actually I don't know what's best for me mm. God probably should tell me What to do mm. And Yeah Maybe I should worry about other people around me. Maybe mm. I do have some roles and responsibilities and some things that I owe people to mm. society mm. and around me. All of this is Islamic values versus mm. what? All of that mm. garbage. Yeah. And honestly, all of this ultra-masculinity and ultra-feminism has come from there. Mm. Ultra-masculinity is our enemy. Ultra-feminism is also our enemy. It's all stemming from atheism. Mm. Yeah. I think it's, it's a very beautiful point because if we look out into our society, whenever we buy something, for example, let's say a TV, we get a manual, a small let's book, uh, yeah. small books, how to run that TV or yeah. how to, you know, how to take care of that TV. Similarly, uh, we believe in Islam that the Quran, the holy book of Islam is the guideline or, or a principle Absolutely. for the human being. And if you follow that conduct, that principle, yes. then, you, then you're going to be successful. Absolutely. And the, on the other side, aside, I think what you mentioned is um, we are not, uh, you know, uh, we are free. We are not abide by any law. Yeah. Um, we want to live our life as we want. Yeah. But, and that's ultimately making these, you know, it too is extreme. Happening. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and, mm. and this is what's happened now that mm. the lines have been blurred. Mm. Because what's happened with fifth age, age feminism, mm. the idea 
That you, ah, oh, come on, man. We are we're better than this. Mm. We don't need to have gender roles. Mm. Make it gender fluid. <laughs> a man can do what a woman can do, and a woman can do what mm. a man can do, and it, it's all right, mate. Mm-hmm. Chill out. Mm-hmm. This is the secularist, mm. neoliberalist idea. Mm. Everyone can wear every single cape, mm. and perhaps in a lot of scenarios, mm. they may be able to do it. Mm. Are they though accountable for it? And should they do it? It's a completely different question, because here we are with Islam. Where for a long time I feel like Muslims have been perhaps ashamed mm. to talk about the fact that there are gender roles in Islam. Mm. And today this society has now proven to us that we need it more than ever. Yeah. Because it's not Muslims who are screaming for this. Mm. The red pill society is screaming mm. for it. Mm. The blue pill society is screaming for it. They're not even Muslims. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. So you have people like Jordan Peterson. Mm. Come on, guys. Let's come back to our values. <laughs> What's going on over here? Yeah. And the idea is simply this. That because we've got rid of gender roles mm. and we've acquitted people of a specific responsibility, mm. everybody's doing everything, but no one's responsible for anything. Anything, yeah. That's a- so, for example, you're 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 on a mm. ship and on a cruise going to I don't know, mm. the Caribbean, mm-hmm. and the captain says, you know what? Yeah, yeah I'm gonna be the the chef today, mate. Come mm. on. And the chef goes, yeah, let me be the driver. <laughs> and they they're trying it out, mm. but when the when the when the ship crashes. <laughs> And the, and they all look to the chef. They're like, mm. I'm not, I was just trying it out, man. I, I'm, that's the guy. Mm-hmm. That's the guy you need to be looking for. He's mm. cooking uh, biryani right now downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I mean. Mm. Everyone's doing everything, but no one's responsible for anything. Mm-hmm. So Islam holds people accountable, mm-hmm. not only before their peers and their people they're responsible for, but also before God as well. Mm-hmm. We have the hadith of Sahih al-Bukhari, mm-hmm. which states that kullur... Um, that every single guardian is responsible mm. for the people that they are responsible for. Mm-hmm. Then the hadith continues. Every man is responsible for their household like, yeah, and their sustainment yeah. of their household. Mm. So therefore, he is the breadwinner. Mm. And if he doesn't do it, mm. by God, he's accountable. Definitely. And yeah. then the woman is responsible for the house of the husband and the children's upbringing mm-hmm. and well God if she doesn't do it she's mm-hmm. accountable mm-hmm. this is clear cut in the, mm-hmm. in the hadith yeah. and what do we have in the Quran of course we know what we have mm-hmm. in the Quran that of course the man is a qawam he's financially responsible mm-hmm. he's responsible if anything goes wrong anything mm-hmm. goes south the ship sinks he's going to be asked mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. and the woman who is a lady of the house the mm-hmm. queen of the house is responsible first of all the Quran says that stay at home mm-hmm. and take care of the children Hmm. And it literally says this to Yanisat and Nabi, Wahjur, stay there. Hmm. And of course, it's, it's emphasizing on the fact that the first responsibility is taking care hmm. of the children. This is not an easy, a frowned upon responsibility. Hmm. This is a very important very responsibility. Yeah, yeah. And it's the fact, this is where secularism hmm. comes in, right? That I want to do what's better for me. Hmm. Let, let me just have fun. I want to go outside. And the man's like, let me chill out. Mm. You're not supposed to do Just what's better for you mm. You're doing In a Muslim household In a Muslim society You do what's better For your people And for your nation And your society around you And Allah has decreed That the way that will work Is that the man will work And the woman will be Taking care of mm. the progeny This is what it is mm. I think it, the, the very good point You mentioned um, Because when I see society uh, Anyone is not Not anyone is you know, Taking up That this is my responsibility. Everyone is basically running. That this is my responsibility. This is not my responsibility. And you see that marriages are not happening. You know, people are, you know, Islam say that you should get married mm. and you should have responsibility. A woman should have their responsibility. But if you look in the West, people are not marrying. They're just living together. And I think they're escaping from responsibilities. And 
that's not manhood or that's not masculinity basically the more you're responsible the more you become I mean, disciplined i don't i mm. don't blame the western society mm-hmm. because men are not being men anymore and they're not they're not actually pertaining to the roles and they mm. blur the lines mm. if someone says to them well now you have to listen to me what i'm going to say you got to do it they just they just done it okay that they deserve that mm. because they let the roles go so first become that man and if you're mm. upholding your responsibilities then then we can be in a position to discuss mm-hmm. you know is it working or is it not but no one's doing it anymore so this is what i'm talking about in a household where people are responsible like the hadith says you have this fear of god you're accountable before god mm. things are very different mm. so this is why in islam we do not allow the the roles to be blurred yes we can definitely have the conversation mm. that for example when the caliphs have spoken about this at length mm. for example mm. if a man is so obliged that he's working so hard and in, mm. in there are cases like this even despite his sincere efforts he's not able to put food on the table mm. and they, and this is these are exceptions right yeah. they're not norms mm. then of course the woman should come in and help mm. equally mm. if there is a woman who's really trying really hard mm. and that man is seeing god she's struggling man mm. why on earth should he not help out mm. he should help out this is called ihsan mm. this is what islam says go yeah. and help out mm. however the responsibility is still where it belongs mm, mm. the responsibility the onus is still where it belongs mm. however it should be done mm. the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam a lot of people did you know this it would mm. shock you not you particularly <laughs> but maybe some of the listeners mm. talk about hazrat khadija radiyallahu anha a lot yeah she was yes she was a businessman mm. she was the most beloved to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam yeah. and he always used to remember her <laughs> do you know what she did what she did is this yeah is that when she married the prophet muhammad mm. peace be upon him she was a businesswoman mm. that business she inherited from her father, father yeah. because she had no brothers who mm. could inherit it mm-hmm. when she married the prophet muhammad peace be upon him did she carry on that business no she didn't do that mm-hmm. she handed over the revenue everything all of the workers and she let go of even freed the slaves mm. handed it all to the prophet muhammad peace be upon him in his hand mm. wow I mean, I I can't even go further yeah. than that. How yeah. much love she had for this man. Mm. Now, in this society, you'll be wondering who would do that for their man, and mm. I wonder the same. Mm. But I know why she did it, mm. because the man that she had really was a man. Yeah, that's why. Mm. The thing is, I I I know a lot of men who look at this and they'll be like, "Well, I I should deserve that." <laughs> <laughs> okay, mm. but you first become the man that deserves that. Yeah, huh. that's the thing. Mm. And then yes, we can talk about these examples. Same mm-hmm. for the women. Mm-hmm. This is an example of Hazrat Khadija. Mm-hmm. Yes, she was working, but look at how she was so aware mm-hmm. of of Ihsan. Mm-hmm. So yes, if you're going to do it, understand these principles. Mm-hmm. So this is what I see, and I think when we look at the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and we look at the theology that remains within us, we should never let go of our values. Mm-hmm. As a Muslim, the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community has quite strongly mm-hmm. emphasized on the fact mm-hmm. that. Women working in in the Western culture in the offices is is, is a, a cursed remnant of the Western culture. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Okay, mm-hmm. we've already spoken about exceptions. Mm-hmm. That um, you know there are certain mm-hmm. exceptions, but this is something that we believe in. Mm-hmm. Why? Of course, Hazrat Khadija was working in a business. Uh, it didn't require for her to do a nine to five. Mm-hmm. Even today, you have women who are able to do remote working. They're able to do nine to fives. There are also some jobs which require women: mm-hmm. nursing, schooling, uh, gynecologists. Mm-hmm. All of these things mm-hmm. are exempt. Yeah. But nine to five corporate jobs, especially mm-hmm. where the the caliphs have actually emphasised, mm-hmm. if it's a job where you're just doing it mm-hmm. to buy yourselves a bit of mm-hmm. extra luxury, mm-hmm. that is not the right purpose for why someone should be doing their job. True. Equally, mm-hmm. equally, if there is a man 
who doesn't want to do work and he just wants to stay home so he can chill out, <laughs> have some fun, have mm. some relaxed time. Mm. And he's still got the bills to pay. Mm. He's still got the rent to pay. His car payments are falling behind. His mortgage is rubbish. His family's not having a good time. Mm. Get out, man. Mm. Stop sitting at home. Mm. These are the responsibilities that Islam emphasizes on the roles in society. Everybody knows what they're mm. accountable for. Mm. And this is, uh, I should say, this is very nature of, you know, a human being that um, men, they're responsible. They're men and they're considered as bread earner and woman as a house, uh, a house of, you know, queen of house. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, this is where I think when you, um, you know, say that gender is fluid or you can do whatever you want, this is where the problem, I think, begins. And... Uh, <clears throat> Just, I think we have a guest now, uh, This our second guest of this hour, um, Imam Farid Ahmed, who is uh, uh, currently working in Noor Academy. Uh, Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, Imam Farid. Assalamu peace be upon you all. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the Time Drive Frame Show. So we are talking about uh, men leading by example. Um, so how do you believe the teaching of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, serve as a guiding light for men in leading by example, particularly in the you know, contemporary world? Okay, so I'll be talking about mainly the history towards his wife and kids. Okay, so firstly he says that, uh, it, I will read an incident where he says that he said to Hazrat Aisha one day, uh, his wife, may Allah be pleased with her, that whenever you are upset with me, I always get to know it. And mm-hmm. Aisha inquired, how is that possible? And then how do you know it? So he said that I've noticed that whenever you are pleased with me and in course of conversation, you refer to God as, O Lord of Muhammad. But if you are not pleased with me, you refer to as the God of Abraham. Hmm. So he was so meticulous with that. And she replied and she uh, she was happy with that. And she laughed at it. And then Hmm. so the gesture was so good. And the other, uh, you could say, incident was with Al-Qadir where or may Allah be pleased with her, another wife, that she was his first wife and he was, she had sacrificed a lot for him. Hmm. Now, when she passed away, obviously he married other women, hmm. but he never forgot her. And whenever he had some food to deliver, he would always deliver it to her friends hmm. and neighbors of hmm. her, her Khadija, and may Allah be pleased with her, and he, wouldn't, he never forgot her. So this is how great he was in treatment with his wife. And as far as kids are concerned, her cousin and her husband, uh, two of his uh, grandkids, mm-hmm. they would climb on his back while he was praying. And he never scolded them. He never yelled at them. He would always treat them kindly and carefully. Mm-hmm. So this is another, you can say, incident where his treatment was his kids. And we see that sometimes people are very harsh towards kids when they annoy them. Kids always annoy you guys. But thing is that you need to be kind towards kids. Just like Holy Prophet, Holy Prophet may Allah be pleased with him, was. Great. Um, it just reminded me one of the you know um, uh, incident um, that uh, you know the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He was uh, very kind to um, to you know his grandfather, grandchildren, and wives. Um, so, um, in the context of man leading by example, how can the promised Messiah, uh, on whom be peace, and his teaching inspire men to contribute positively to their uh, communities and families? Yeah, so basically as far as the family of the Prophet Messiah, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, is concerned, it says that once his wife cooked rice with brown sugar, it's a traditional uh, food mm. dish, so 
the rice got sticky for some reason and they obviously are not very tasty when they become sticky and they're hard to eat as well and they lose a bit of flavor as well so mm-hmm. when she presented it to the prime minister may Allah be pleased with him he ate and he thanked her for such a nice meal and he never complained mm-hmm. but obviously he could but he never did so another re- uh, you could say incident where he was very kind and compassionate towards his wife even though he had a reason to you know just say that okay the five uh, the food isn't good and just be careful next time but he just ignored it mm-hmm. so just to maintain peace and harmony in the house and mm-hmm. just to be a bit you can say more compassionate and the other reason and the other example i could recall is that where when he would write he would used to write a uh, lot of books as he has written over 85 books and he was writing one of his books mm-hmm. and he was busy doing that and his one of his uh, children one of his kids he came up to me and said that abba chitti as in uh, oh father i need sugar okay mm-hmm. white thing which is sugar mm-hmm. and he would just stand up he would give him some and then he would start writing again mm-hmm. and his son would come in again he would demand the same thing mm-hmm. abba i need sugar and he would give it to him again mm-hmm. and again and again he never said that oh don't you can say don't stop annoying me and don't disturb me mm-hmm. i'm doing something very important i'm the prophet and i have to you could say you know lead the world and all that mm-hmm. he was just so kind and compassionate he always had time for his family and kids mm-hmm. so this is another uh, you can say example and the third example i would say was that where he had to scold his wife for some reason mm-hmm. and soon after he was apologetic and obviously he realized his mistake and he prayed to allah taala as well that uh, forgive me for that so this is how kind he, to he was towards his family in particular mm. so the uh, the the concept of uh, caliphates hold significance uh, in your faith how do you see the role of the caliphs in shaping the behavior and leadership qualities of men in uh, your community yeah so as far as the caliphs are concerned uh, i would give example of hazrat umar may allah be pleased with him he was a great companion and a great leader for us and example for I would say the rest of the world as well, not just for us. And many of the scholars who are not Muslims have also quoted him. So mm-hmm. I will just quote a few incidents from his life. So one of the incidents is that on one night while he while he was out uh, for a round of inspection, so he would go out for inspection at night just to inquire about the in situation of the people, just because he was the leader and he felt it necessary to, you know, um, you can say go around and see what the people are doing and how good or bad they are so the situation is so this is how good leaders are so he being a good leader he went out for inspection and he heard uh, a wailing sound of an infant from the tent which made him pause for a bit and but the cries continued even though when the mother tried to put his son to sleep uh, he did not and he continued to cry eventually hazrat umar may allah be pleased with him entered the tent and inquired of, of the mother that mm-hmm. why do you just not uh, suckle the child the child is been crying for well he said quite a while mm-hmm. and the women did not obviously recognize hazrat umar back in the days uh, there were no you can say pictures and tvs mm-hmm. and you could say where you could just see your leader so she had didn't recognize him and the thought that he is an ordinary person and she answered that are you unaware that hazrat umar has decreed that no no uh, food will be granted in case of suckling infants mm-hmm. we are poor and hardly uh, afford enough to meet the uh, to end me yeah, meet the ends so i have deterred my child early so that we should get the child child share of you can say 
food from the treasury, public treasury. And she obviously and the child continue to cry mm-hmm. over that. And on, upon that, Hazrat Umar Ithlanho, may Allah be pleased with him, he said that, Oh Umar, Oh Umar, do you have any idea what have you done? You weakened the coming generations of Arabs by causing the infants to be prematurely weakened. So this is how concerned he was. And the responsibility of this lies upon you, as and he was saying it to himself, as he said to himself. And then he came back to the public treasury, grabbed a sack of flour and put it on his back himself and then carried it along. Now someone came and asked him that, oh, Umar, uh, may Allah be pleased with him. You're the leader of, uh, you're our leader, spiritual leader. So let me help you out. And he said that, no, it's my mistake. So I should be carrying out my responsibility myself. So he went up to her, her himself and then he gave her some food. Mm-hmm. And the other incident I could recall is that of another old lady, so he was uh, returning from Syria to Medina, and when he got separated from the people, just to inquire about uh, the people who would live in his, you can say, kingdom. So he passed by an elderly, elderly lady, and she was in a tent, and she was also uh, crying about her situation. Now, Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, said that, and so the woman said to Hazrat Umar, when he inquired that may Allah mm-hmm. not bless any goodness upon him uh, from me. So mm-hmm. basically, he, she did not recognize him as well. Mm-hmm. So Hazrat Umar replied, woe upon you, why? As mm-hmm. in, why would you say such and such? Mm-hmm. So she replied, that ever since uh, he has become a Khalifa, the leader, a spiritual leader, I have not received a single allowance, neither a dinar or a dirham for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Hazrat Umar uh, said that, how could I know the situation of you as you live so far away from the city or live near a jungle? Mm-hmm. Now, the lady, the old lady, the elderly lady replied that, no, uh, holy is Allah. I do not believe that someone can be appointed over uh, a rule over a people, appointed to rule over people and remain heedless of what's happening around him. Now, mm-hmm. Hazrat Umar, uh, to the reply, he said, that, okay, I will do something for you. And then he inquired that how much shall I pay you in, to, in order to uh, recompense for the injustice being done against you. So they agreed upon 25 dinar. Now, as, as they were in the middle of conversation, Hazrat Ali, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, another companion, mm-hmm. he said to Hazrat Umar that, O oh, leader of faithful, um, assalamu alaikum, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. At that point, she realized the fact that, oh, she's talking to the leader himself. So she placed her hand on his head, just for, you can say, uh, show of love. And then Hazrat Umar Ithlanho, may Allah be pleased with him, gave the 25 dinar as he found his responsibility to do so. Thank you so much, um, Imam uh, Farid, um, for your time and narrating those beautiful stories that how you should... Uh, you know, um, put your own example in front of your family and um, as as a caliph. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, see you uh, sometime soon. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you. Yeah, that was uh, some wonderful narrations here mm-hmm. we have of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, how he treated his family, how he was observed by his family mm-hmm. and those around him in a professional capacity as well. Like we came back to the beginning mm-hmm. of Hazrat Umar radiallahu mm-hmm. and Hazrat Ali radiallahu one. It's about preferring others to yourself having your honor and your faith mm-hmm. staying true to it this is actually manhood mm-hmm, definitely um you know uh, one of the main main uh, character of a, of a leader is that he 
um, he do whatever he tells other to do. And, uh, um, you know, once uh, uh, there was a woman who uh, committed a theft and uh, in the time of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And, uh, you know, s- uh, some influential people or um, I think it was Osama bin Zaid uh, were very dear to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And some people said that, you know, uh, talk to the Holy Prophet sallam, that, you know, uh, please forgive her. So the Holy Prophet sallam, you know, said that, you know, um, uh, you ask me to, uh, you know, not to punish. Um, and people who are before you, they were destroyed because they used to punish the, uh, you know, weak people and they used to leave those who were in strong position. And he said that if my own daughter Fatima, if he committed that same kind of, you know, mm. theft or act, I would have cut his, cut her hand. So he basically um, lead by example and he implemented the uh, the commandments of Allah Ta'ala. Absolutely. This is exactly what it is. Leading by absolute mm-hmm. example. And so there we have it, guys. Um, we obviously have, uh, it's a very big conversation out there. Mm-hmm. Coming back to the, the roles of what is a man, what is a woman. We don't need to <clears throat> turn to the people who have the most amount of followers online to find out the answer to that. A lot of these people, let me tell you, mm-hmm. uh, I find it quite hilarious, actually. I won't mention them by name. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk about these things mm-hmm. and then you ask them, okay, are you married? No. <laughs> do you have kids? No. Mm-hmm. What do you have? I have a PhD. Okay. <laughs> Mate, you have not tested real life. <laughs> what are you talking yeah, true, about? True. So don't don't just be put in awe by people who have social media degrees. Mm-hmm. That's, not, that's not real life. You, you must... First, think about this. Mm. And then, second of all, as we've discussed, there are those who may have just become Muslim. They're still learning. Mm. They may have good things to say, but mm. are they the ones that we absolutely need to turn to for our guidance? Perhaps we should be going to those who have been doing it for a while. They've studied it for a while and they know what they're talking about. Mm. And this is where we can take our education from. So, I know it's a little bit harder mm-hmm. to go and open a, a book, for example. Yeah. But this is, if you really want to thrive, mm-hmm. this is the way way to do it. Mm-hmm. So we're I, actually, yeah. I would like to, uh, you said go and read the book. And I think the best book is the Holy Quran, which tells you what is the, you know, what is the wrong and what is uh, the right. And there in the Holy Quran, it's, it's a very beautiful verse that, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا And that verily you have... Uh, in the Holy Prophet وسلم, and uh, peace, and, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him an excellent example to follow so um, again I would say that you know hmm. um, uh, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him is the role model to follow us if, if you do actually have an interest in studying hmm. the life of the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him you can look at classical texts we have Sirat or Sira Ibn Hisham hmm. which is good um, Ibn Taymiyyah has done quite a lot of works on this as well hmm. we also have the works of the modern age mm-hmm. for example we have the life of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam by Mirza Bashir Ahmad and mm-hmm. also subsequently the series uh, Seal of Prophets which is a voluminous book as well mm-hmm. and these are all very very good sources mm-hmm. to uh, try and understand how exactly did the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him actually lead mm-hmm. his life and you can find these book on alislam.org and you can dial on them and yeah. read you them. can also actually go on to internet, internet archive.org mm-hmm. 
and to find a lot of these books they're quite expensive to buy but if you find them online they can actually get them for free Mm -hmm. to read as PDFs Uh, so there you go Um, we've actually explored two very important topics today Mm -hmm. and uh, I've learned a lot I hope you've enjoyed it and uh, for the viewers at home I I hope the same for you as well we're going to of course be back every Mm -hmm. single weekday from 4 till 6 for the drive time show discussing various topics of course you can always call us in on 0208-687-7878 note that down for next time or use our social platforms get in touch with us about today's show how did you feel about it anything that you have to contribute as well from us here and the producers assalamu alaikum warahmatullah and peace be upon you all we'll be back inshallah tomorrow